This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I am here with Greg Lake. How's it going today, brother? Doing good, Matt. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to get into this. Um, so I met you because you work with the Church of Silo Methoxen, and uh, you guys are throwing an event in Austin called Entheogenesis on April 15th. Um, you got a couple of friends there that are playing music. I'm really looking forward to it and just ex excited to connect, man, and learn more about you and the church and everything you're doing. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, so I am a co-founder lead oracle of the Church of Solomon Oxen. And, and as you stated, uh, we are throwing in Theogenesis, an event in Austin on April 15th. We're super pumped. And um, I'm sure we'll get into the details of it, you know, mm -hmm. as, as we go. Totally. Well, how does one find oneself so interested in psychedelics? You know, like, can you take me back to when you like even just the earliest inklings of man, like there's something out there I need to explore and you're being called to it because, you know, there's so many people I've had so many guests on the podcast now where it's just we're all coming to the same path, sometimes through similar means, sometimes through different means. And it's exciting to learn more about how each person, you know, individually comes. So for you, kind of what was that story? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question to ask everybody, because like you say, it's so interesting how all these different paths kind of lead, you know, to the same point. But for me, uh, before the podcast, I told you I grew up in Northeast Texas. Um, unfortunately, at an early age, I picked up hard drugs and alcohol. And uh, even back then, when I was, I think, 12 years old was the first time I had psychedelics. It was LSD. Thank God I didn't have a bad experience by any, any means. But, um, you know, back then, it, the use was not intentional or with any specific goal, you know, really just to get messed up, uh, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But once I graduated law school, I actually moved back to, to Northeast Texas and a friend of mine had recently bought a house and we were hanging out one night and, and I was still in my addiction at this point. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, he was just like, man, I really love, you know, the sacred mushrooms. And I said, mm -hmm. well, yeah, I do too. But, uh, you know, we didn't know anywhere at that time to readily or consistently access them. So oh, yeah. I started doing research online and um found that it was fairly easy to, to grow them. And this was actually when Midwest Grow Kits uh, mm -hmm. initially started out. So, yeah, so we bought a grow kit for Midwest Grow Kits um, along with some sports syringes from Ralphsters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, grew, grew some mushrooms. Now, even though I was in my addiction, and I think it has to do with the fact that I personally grew and put my love and attention in these mushrooms, but – yeah. Through those is when I started having these spiritual type experiences. And I mean, at the time it was like, you're addicted, you know, you, you can't do this. You're not going to make anything out of yourself, you know, down this path, which I knew was true. So it's like, you know, it's beating up on me, but I, um, and I used to cry about it, but I knew it was true. I wasn't fighting it. I, I accepted what was being told. And then, um, mm -hmm. you know, later on, I actually ended up homeless for two years on the streets uh, I did three years in a lockdown rehabilitation facility. Uh, and then when I got out from there, <clears throat> in order to deal with a lot of the, you know, anxiety that you feel after being institutionalized for three years and then you're like set free, yeah. uh, I, I again started to grow and work with the sacred mushrooms. And then like the first three uh, experiences through that is what guided me to write my first book on psilocybin research. And then from the day that I published that book, my path towards doing this theogenic church work and specializing in theogenic churches uh, began, which more or less 
led me to where I am today. So I hope that that hit yeah. all the top points. Absolutely, yeah. Wow, it's interesting how mushrooms almost tend to give us a mission. Yes. What would you say about that? Because, you know, that's the mission I'm on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say for sure. I mean, you know, I'll never forget. Um, it was like the second and third experience. It, and it's crazy because, you know, these mushrooms I grew, I only ate two or three grams, which is a relatively small dose for me, but just had this incredible experience. And, um, yeah, I had an entity manifest in my living room, uh, mm -hmm. Anubis, literally manifest in my living room wow. and telepathically told me, you know, write this book about psilocybin, the research, and your higher path will be revealed. And, you know, indefinitely, I, I kicked the can down the road for about eight months, really just trying to integrate whether what I experienced was real to any significant degree, which I finally concluded that, well, you know, it's, it's worth a shot. And then, you know, maybe some other confirmations will let me know if this is real. And so, yeah, like I told you, I published my book on psilocybin June 2020. Uh, and within a week, I was contacted by a local pastor, uh, an ex-Christian pastor, former Christian pastor in South Louisiana, mm -hmm. that was like, hey, you know, I want to start up a psychedelic and theogenic church. What do you know about it? Can you help me? And then, you know, being a trial and appellate lawyer, as soon as I cracked the books on this, like, civil rights, psychedelics issue, I've been infatuated ever since, and it's consumed mm -hmm. most, <laughs> most of my thoughts. So that's, that's <laughs> kind of how I was, like, directly relayed the mission I'm on today. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, it really seems to put us in touch with a mystical aspect of life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, previous to that, it seems like mystical experiences are so rare. Like maybe you don't even have one in your whole life. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but these these chemicals and plants and fungus and all the above, they somehow put our brain into that state of like seeing mystical visions, mm -hmm. um, the same very type of visions we hear about in ancient religions and mm -hmm. ancient texts and um it makes us understand a little deeper why some of these like giant pyramids exist. And they were, they were trying to like bring that realm down into the physical world somehow, mm -hmm. because it just has such this, it just beckons your respect. It just beckons your, uh, you know, just like, yeah. it's hard to put a, a word on it. It just, it really just calls you to want to uh, understand it. You know what I mean? It's like, no, how, I, what is I, going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And it's like, you know, I'm very infatuated. Like pretty much all of my entheogenic experiences are heavily encrypted with, you know, Egyptian iconography and, and mm -hmm. you know, art and stuff like that. And um, so I've really been very deep into studying that, those things. Right. And, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like, I don't care what you say, but whatever those people who built that pyramid believed and knew, like that's what I want to believe, in, right. you know, yep. just because the, I guess you could say the proof is in the pudding. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. Um, I wanted to ask real quick what you, you said Anubis had manifested in a vision. Mm -hmm. Do you know if it was closed eye or open eye or what was, was that experience? Yeah. I can tell you plain as day. It, um, I was all my lights were off in my apartment, but I was laying on my bed and there was some ambient light kind of coming through the curtain in my bedroom. But mm -hmm. this voice told me like, Hey, get up and go to your living room. Mm -hmm. And so I got up and when I walked into the living room, even though it was dark, 
I could see Anubis. It was it, he was just a much much darker figure with red eyes that I could mm-hmm. see. When I first looked at him, I started to get scared, and he was like, "Don't look directly at me." So I started looking <laughs> forward, but I could see him and yeah. the red eyes here in my you know to my peripheral vision. Wow. And that's as soon as I calmed down from being scared. That's when the information started to be relayed between us. Yep. Yep. That's powerful. And, and I've, I've talked to a number of people who have had entities um, like Anubis, like mm-hmm. Yahweh, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, angels and uh, what else would you call them? Uh, nature spirits, you know, I wonder what is it, you know, is it some connection to a previous life, you know, or uh, why do certain things call us differently someone is getting an anubis but someone's getting a a greek god you know what i mean is it's maybe it does have to do with like our past lives and our kind of the consciousness that's been collected into our divine consciousness through that where it's like Mm. you know maybe at one time in a past life i I worshipped anubis and was close to them or something so like now that's the form that is best to communicate with me yeah does that make sense that 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 will resonate with me on some level Absolutely. Have you happened to see the show American Gods? No, I have not. I definitely recommend it and, and anyone listening to check it out if you're into like ancient gods and stuff and Anubis is in it and it's really cool and more or less it, what it's kind of putting forth and it's a it's a best-selling book. It's based on a book, but what it's what it's putting forth is that, you know, we have these guides and when we pass or maybe if we get a glimpse in a mystical experience um, we return to those guides that brought us into the life. And, mm-hmm. and so it's very possible that the, the Anubis perhaps was that guide for you in the after death ceremony, you know, so he's going to find you again. And maybe for someone else from another culture, it was, you know, Loki, you know, and in, yeah. in like the Norse mythology or these types Good. of things. And uh, when we get to here in a bit talking about the church, I, I had another experience on ayahuasca where, the Anubis hadn't manifested in, in, in this dimension, but like I was communicating with him, mm-hmm. you know, in, in another dimension, but he, he gave me some information that was directly related to our sacrament. I'll, I'll tell you when, when we get yeah. there. It's pretty incredible. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful little tangent there. I just love the idea of the, these mystical beings and entities. I, do. I, I so, love it as well, man. Yeah. I really do. Had to explore yeah. that a little bit. But uh, yeah, so after your first kind of uh, book and your first meeting with another church, mm-hmm. how did you meet Church of Silomethoxin? Um, so I started doing, uh, obviously, helping other people. So once I you know, did a, a couple churches, a word got out in the space that I'd helped them. And so people started coming. Do you help and, them uh, do what again? So what I do is help them. I guess the best way to characterize it is to encapsulate or solidify their religious protections under the free exercise laws through creating uh-huh. nonprofit religious structures. Got and it. really a lot of it's the internal documentation that we do about beliefs and practices and stuff, yeah. just forming them in such a manner that, you know, God forbid any of them have to go to court, you know, they're ready and prepared you know, evidentiary wise to yep. put their best foot forward. If that Absolutely. Makes sense. Yep. The first yeah. church I ever heard about that was Alex Gray. Yeah. I think they have a cool like facility or art gallery or something. Huh? Yep. Yeah, they do. Yeah. That, that was my, the, the cracking of my understanding of, Oh my God, this is actually, it could be religion, mm-hmm. you know, but 
I was afraid of that because yeah. religion carries a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's and, true. But but what Alex and Allison did on Joe Rogan podcast is they really dialed in on we can't let religion, the idea of religion, be you know like taken by these other. Amen. You know yeah, what I mean, I, Matt. I tell people all the time. It's like, look, I understand, and especially for people who've been traumatized in these various religions, I understand that that word does carry a lot of weight. But yeah. you know, I think as people working with indigenous and developing, that we need to get over letting any what anyone else says or does define anything for us, and take the reins for ourselves, and say, you know, today we can create a new image for religion yeah. built in love and acceptance and all these higher ideals that, you know, we, we normally get through these experiences. Exactly. And in my mind, it's the closest thing to religion I've ever experienced. I mean, I'm literally in these experiences with these medicines, I'll, I'll be worshiping. I'll literally be saying, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, like yes, praying yes. and meaning it and feeling yeah. it. And yeah, just thank you. You know what I mean? It's like, I never felt like that with any other yeah, moment and, and in my I, life. You know, and I tell people this all the time. Like, I find it hard to believe that when a group of people decide to come together in through some type of ritual or ceremony, effectuate these primary religious mystical experiences. You know, granted, if they're doing so safely and everything being equal, like, how is that not a protected activity? Because as you're aware, even the scientific research shows, the other day I saw that in these psilocybin studies, even in a clinical environment, more than 70 to 80% of the people have a primary religious mystical experience every time. So it's not that you're crazy or we're just making it up. Like there's actual scientific evidence and data to bolster the assertion that yes, yeah. these are religious experiences as they've been defined, at least since William James variety of religious experiences book uh, back in the early 1900s kind of mm. set the, the standard definition for what those experiences look and yeah. feel like. Absolutely. And and what it really reminds me of is that these are more likely the experiences of the people of the big religions, mm -hmm. like Buddha, like Jesus, like yeah. Moses. Yeah. They probably tapped in or ate a mushroom yeah. that they, and they didn't know it did a thing. Mm -hmm. They tapped into that. And the, now everyone believes in a person that was doing the mushrooms, but they think mm -hmm. the mushrooms are against God. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's such yeah. a It's such a funny way they like try to hide it in plain sight in a way, but like make us feel like it's not a thing. But I mean, if Jesus was around, he'd be knowing of the sacred level of mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel like Absolutely. he's a, he'd be a smart guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, the way I kind of see it, Matt, is like what we're witnessing. And I think that this cycle has happened many, many times in our past. We're seeing a shift from secondary religious phenomena like holy books, which in reality are just collections of mystical experiences, right? We're seeing a shift away from that back to the direct experience where right. this has kind of lost its ability to move people, these secondary things. And now people, because, you know, I always, I firmly believe that seeking these types of experiences or knowledge of the divine is an innate part of the human condition. And when a certain you know, set of practices or beliefs stop to do it for people. Mm. Once we figure out that there's this other thing that very reliably can effectuate them, I think on a very fundamental and biological level, we are called to, to try that out. If that yeah. makes sense. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, that makes sense. So, okay, so you you were helping churches mm-hmm. become founded, um, and word got around, and mm-hmm. you met the founder of Church of Asylum of Oxen? So, yeah, so uh, and there's three founders. It's me, Ian Benweiss, my law partner, then Ben Moore, and both of them are okay. veterans. So, Ian had also, he Ian, my law partner, has been in the Indian spirituality community actively operating for over 20 years. And so, okay. When I, I published a second book called The Law of Entheogenic Churches, mm-hmm. and he found out through the grapevine, you know, who I was, that I wrote the book and the work I've been doing. So then we connected. And through that connection, we started. He had a law firm. I basically just signed on with his firm uh, so we could do that work together. And then we did that for about a year until I think it was around November 2021. Uh, when Ian discovered the silomethoxin, he was able to feed, you know, mushroom substrates, 5-MeO-DMT, mm-hmm. uh, which created this new sacrament that, you know, he tried, he sent to me and I tried. And then as soon as we sampled the sacrament and knew that we had something just extremely rare and unique, yep. we went ahead and formed the legal structure. So we filed the church in Texas and, and the, the actual name is Church of the Sacred Synthesis. Uh, we filed it in November of 2021. So I was part of the original crew, I guess you'd say, founding the church. But we did more safety, uh, I guess, investigation after that, you know, having more people sample and try it. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until September of 2022 when we actually went public, created a website, started accepting members, things like that. Once we felt that the safety profile was enough that you know, with proper screening and stuff that we could safely get, get these sacraments to to people. Wow. So Mm -hmm. it's not even a year old or what? The public, you know, us going public is less than a year old. The actual church is, I don't know, I guess maybe 18, 19 months old, the actual legal structure that that we formed. Got it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is crazy how new this is. This is leading edge. Yeah. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know, uh, I didn't uh, remember the date as far as like when you were founded, but it, I almost was thinking with how organized it feels that it's been around for a decade, you know, so you are doing a great job for a year, <laughs> yeah, you know? So. Well, I appreciate it. Like I say, I've done over 60 church projects since mm-hmm. I started. Ian's probably been involved with 30 or 40 of them. And so, yeah, you know, we come into this with a lot of you know, not only knowledge of the law and stuff, but also the administrative hurdles and all these other things that need to be accounted for. And and to be honest, we just got really blessed with a really good staff of people. We have an extraordinary team. We all work very well together. And I really credit that, to be honest with you, with, yeah. with our, you know, rapid growth and development. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What great work. So I'm very interested. How, what guided... I guess it was Ian to feed 5-MeO to mushrooms. So that's a very good question. So he had been working both with Bufo for a very, very long time, working with the sacred mushrooms for a very long time. And he had gotten little hints throughout the years through these experiences that there's some type of mixture uh, that could be done between a synthetic tryptamine and mushrooms. And then probably about three months before he did the first batch, he ran into an article online that Alexander Shulgin had published in 2005. And it was, you know, someone had wrote Alex or Dr. Shulgin and been like, Hey, 
what do you know about silomethoxin, which is 4-hydroxylated-5-amino-DMT? And he was like, hey, you know, back in the 80s, there were German scientists who were feeding other synthetic tryptamines, I think DET and one other one, two mushroom substrates, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it consistently 4-hydroxylated it and spit it out in the fruiting body. And so based on that, Alexander Shulgin said, he said, basically, I give you 50-50 odds that if you were to put, you know, a synth- synthetic 5-MeO-DMT on a, you know, mushroom cow patty that, again, that had, you know, sacred mushroom uh, spores in it, that it would produce these silomethoxin mushrooms. And so, you know, once Ian saw that, he had the ability at that time to run that experiment. And so he jumped straight into it. And yeah, yeah, first time around, uh, more or less hit the nail on the head, I guess I'd say. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. Okay. So... Obviously, they they look like psilocybin mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But the effect is different. The effect is different. Yeah, I mean, so I say they look like them. They 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 look exactly like them, but there's nominal to very to no bruising on them. If that makes okay. sense, like there yeah, are sense. sometimes very trace amounts of psilocybin in it, but it oxidizes off very quickly. So yeah, mm-hmm. looks just like it, just no bruising. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So, will it will would the dosage be comparable? Would it would it be a three grams for like a mind blowing experience, or would it be a half gram for a microdose? You know. Yeah, that's a very good question. So these, you know, the silomethoxin vary. I think in kind of a fundamental way from psilocybin in that it, since it's most related to five meo DMT, it's not a visual experience. It's mostly an energetic experience. It's mm-hmm. um. Similar in a lot of respects to MDMA without the, you know, amphetamine type feeling. It's just very centering, Mm -hmm. very heart opening, um, but not, not a lot of visuals to it. Sure. When you get in, like if you were to take a three gram dose, you would probably have some visuals with that. Mm -hmm. Nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing crazy like a psilocybin experience, but you know, know that things like glow and you see auras and stuff around things. But, um, yeah, so dosage-wise, I think, you know, through our membership and our research, we found that, like, about 150 milligrams of the dried and, and pulverized mus- mushrooms is mm-hmm. is about an average microdose that people can take. Mm-hmm. And if they feel the effects, it's still sub-perceptual in a sense. It's not overwhelming in any degree. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, for some people, you know, uh, one gram would be a flood dose. Mm-hmm. Um, because that once that energetic channel opens up, uh, you can definitely feel it. Um, and again, it's, it's just a very, very centering thing. I microdose every day and it's just, mm-hmm. it puts me in the I am state. Basically yeah. it puts a filter between my incoming sensory data and my emotional output where it's mm-hmm. like, I have this third person that's like, uh, no, you don't want to react like that, or no, you don't want to put your mental energy this way. And so that's like on a microdose level, what it does for me, you know, yeah. and this is kind of why we're having the ecstatic dance in theogenesis, because mm-hmm. we found, I tend to think that movement is really good on it because you have this energy coming into you yeah. uh, and to be able to move that around really helps the process flow, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, limited, but a couple of experiences with mm-hmm. 5-MeO. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember one thing that struck me about what the effect seemed to be was this type of inversion of where the observer was. Mm-hmm. So usually yep. the observer is in your head yep. looking out. 
I almost saw it go whoop, you know, like it came yeah. outside of my body now. Yeah. And the, yeah. I, the observer is now the air or in the air yep. or something like that. Does that resonate with? No, it does. And that's kind of what I was saying is that, you know, on the microdose level and even so, you know, Solomethoxin is a much, much, much weaker form of 5-MeO-DMT. We've never mm -hmm. had anybody eat or consume an oral dose large enough to take them mm -hmm. anywhere near the 5-MeO experience. But even on the microdose level, like I said, there's that subtle switch in observer. Yeah. Uh, but on a very manageable level where you can go about your day and have, again, this like kind of third-party observer aspect to you know yeah. dealing with your life. And for a lot of people... It's just been so crucial in helping them because, you know, we all have very intrusive ruminating thoughts and right. this sacrament allows you to take control of those too. Yeah. You know, when I get intrusive or ruminating thoughts, I like have the ability to either follow that trail or no, you know, yeah. it like gives me that choice. Do you want to follow this uh, or do you not? And, right. you know, a lot of times people don't have that choice. Their mind just goes every which way and there's no real control over it because you're really, really in the first person, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas with the Solomon you get to pull back a little bit to that third person uh, yeah. to where you have some say-so over where right. your thoughts and mental energy, you know, are directed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So in the religion kind of literature, mm -hmm. would it be looked at almost as magic that the, that the sacrament is helping occur or... You know, That's like, a very well, good question. You know, I would, um, like I say, you know, our, our big, we're non-dogmatic, but we are the church of I am, meaning mm -hmm. that, you know, we're really trying to tap people into their I am, their higher self, you know, that, that direct mm -hmm. connection with source. So whether that's considered magic, you know, I, I don't know, but, you know, I would say that there are tons of references in the, in the ancient literature about the I am nature. I mean, you could even mm -hmm. say that, you know, that Jesus said that, you know, I am is mm -hmm. the way, yeah. you know, and that's, that's our interpretation. Of Absolutely. It. Well, it almost seems magical in the way in that it's doing almost an impossible feat for hundreds of years thousands of years, however long, you know, most people, 90% of people have always thought I'm in my head, mm -hmm. period. That's yeah. what being a human is. You know, these chemical, and I haven't tried silent toxin, so I can't really speak to it, but 5-MeO takes you outside of your head unless mm -hmm. you see you're a person. Mm -hmm. You're not that thing you think you are. You're That's just right. a dude. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, it, it really takes almost a weight off of, right. and this isn't everyone, but, you know, it's a lot of people. And yeah. um, somehow it takes you out of that and, and says, hey, everything's good, man. Like, you're just sitting in a chair. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I'll say this is, um, you know, for me and I'll, and I'll admit the first like actual sacred ceremony I did was a Bufo uh, ceremony out in East Texas outside of Huntsville. And, you know, I'll never forget the main thing that did for me is it just absolutely confirmed that really I am eternal spirit. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And that yeah. I, the true I transcends death. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, through that, I was able, in a sense, to overcome the fear of death, right? right. And that kind of really helped, 
you know, because once we start really dialing in on our fears and how that affects our conduct and way go about our business, we start to realize that it really runs many people's lives every day. So like yeah. being able to overcome that ultimate fear of death, it has made it so much easier for me to work back from there and overcome all kinds of other unfounded fears uh, that I've had in my life. And, and I think that's one of the main takeaways I got from the experience. But yeah, it, it's like you say, it pulls you out of this body and you realize, oh, I'm not that body. This body is just like a temporary vessel yeah. uh, for my true I am nature to express itself in, in this yep. dimension. Exactly. And um, uh, it, it does it in such a way that it almost is it's clear as day, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's right. I see it. I'm, I'm, it's happy. I'm there. It's like, I'm out of my body and I know it. And it's not even that mind blowing. Oddly. It's like, of course, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, of course I'm just a spirit. Of course that's just my body. It's like, it just makes it easy for you yes. to like click into like, Oh, so like when the body's gone, I'm still here, you know? Yeah. It's so weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you're profound. right. It's, um, you know, I'll, I'll say this is that, yeah. So it took me to a place that, that felt like home, Matt. Like yeah, it, that. it literally felt like home. Like, like this is where I come from. Or yeah. Like this, this is where I was before I came out of my mother's womb. Yes. hundred percent. And that's just such an ineffable thing. And it's funny how I remember like science, like in science class and stuff, they would almost try to like get you to, they'd try to break your logic somehow. Uh, and this might've just been talk with roommates or sorry, classmates. It might not have been the teachers, but they'd almost be like, well, if you can't remember before you were born, well then there's nothing, you know, <laughs> yeah. or like what happens after you die? No one has ever done it and no one can really tell you, you know? And it's like, I, I get it, but it's uh, when we can have these experiences uh, and they are so tangible and so realistic. And uh, it really just shows you that you're in a computer in your mind and there's a program and like, it's going to be here whether or not you're there. And the, you, there's like a higher user than just like the mat that you log into on the computer. It's like, it's the iOS it's, you know what I mean? It's the operating system yeah. and the operating system is you, uh, manifesting itself into everybody's and everything's consciousness yeah, or something along those lines, but yeah. <laughs> it's a cool thought. And, and it does, it is deserving of a religious practice, you know? Um, and you say non-dogmatic, which is great because that was always my fear with religion is how they kind of put these rules on you and whatnot. But, um, and, and almost damn you, right. If you, if you were to go against these rules or whatever it might be, but to get to entheogenesis and the and this event, you know, uh, tell me what inspired this event and what's going to happen and how people can get involved and in, in all that. Yeah, so um, trying to think. So yeah, the entheogenesis was originally inspired. We um, our original intention was to do like a multiple day uh, conference in conjunction with another uh, entheogen uh, oriented organization in California. That kind of fell through. We um. We really waited too long to really mm-hmm. get it going to where we could do a three-day event. So, you know, once once we had kind of gotten on the train of, hey, we're going to throw an event, we can't do the three-day. So we decided to narrow it down to a one-day. Uh, and instead of doing these panels like our original idea, uh, what we decided to do was do workshops and other things, uh, you know, directly related for people 
in the entheogen spirituality space, really geared a lot towards people running these churches, uh, really. So, yeah, and then we just wanted to spread the love and energy. Like, again, we've, we've kind of been very blessed in, like, growing and expanding pretty quickly. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted to keep that energy going. But, you know, I guess for me, I would say one of my main intentions in, in doing it is, mm-hmm. is basically – creating unity and cohesion within our community. Unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of dissonance among a lot of people in our community. And, you know, one of the hopes with this event, and and we know a lot of us know each other through social media, Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, for me, it's like bringing these people together on common ground to learn together. Uh, And then, and I'll talk about second. And the second part is an ecstatic dance to dance together, to commune with sacrament, Uh, is really just trying to create some more unity and cohesion uh, within the space. And, Mm -hmm. you know, within that, you know, we've we've been able to, you know, within our program at Theogenesis, we've included some minority people uh, within our space. So we want to give voice to to those those demographics, you know. And Mm -hmm. so we're we're taking this opportunity, this platform uh, to give these people main speaking positions and stuff like that, because they have a lot of great stuff to say. And we can definitely learn from from everybody there. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, the second half is going to be an ecstatic dance. We have, Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, Savage, uh, and another great artist, Aquanimous, uh, uh, on top of the cloud people, Mm -hmm. uh, is another group that's going to play there that day. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to do the second half ecstatic dance. You know, like I said earlier too, is that, uh, ecstatic dance and movement is really good with our sacraments. So we, we plan in the future to kind of make the ecstatic dance one of our hallmark ceremonies or rituals through our church. And so this is kind of our first stab at like doing one in a very big way. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and and we're going to live stream everything. Uh, We're going to, you know, edit up and publish everything on YouTube afterwards, all that good stuff. So there will be, you know, even for those who can't make it, there are other ways, you know, watch the live stream or or wait a bit and and we're going to publish those things and share them. Uh, widely. Mm-hmm. So that would be at entheogenesis.io. That's that's where the tickets are at. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you really get interested, you know, solomethoxen.com is our church uh, website. Uh, mm-hmm. You can access the uh, Entheogenesis site through upcoming events on, on our page. But uh, yeah, entheogenesis.io uh, is the ticket and information page. So there should be everything you need to know uh, listed on, on that IO website. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Ecstatic dance is, is great. Uh, I found it probably about three years ago now, and uh, it really was a whole new dimension to life for me because, you know, previous to my first experience, you know, really feeling like dance, I just felt as if I was not allowed. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, no, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't just don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I like dance because I feel that, you know, when people really get in the groove and are uninhibited, mm-hmm. it's really a very sacred expression of divine free will. I agree. You know, that people are just like moving to this beaten rhythm, um, you know, you know, without a coordinated dance, it's, it's to me, there's something very sacred and divine in that. And, and as you're probably aware, you know, ecstatic dance, these practices are God knows telling how old, you know, and really people coming together in a festival type, you know, gathering with dance and music and stuff is something that's been happening uh, for, a, for a very long time. And so through this, we hope to honor our ancestors as well. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It really does. Uh, I almost feel like uh, dance is um, it's a form of channeling or something. Yes. You know what I mean? It's it's I just agree. channeling energy. It's a language, and mm-hmm. uh, I did not see that before. But I also wasn't really privy to seeing good dancers either. You mm-hmm. know, like the only yeah. dancing I could see is like at the line hall you know, cowboy dance hall or like whatever, you know, that's yeah. the kind of dancing yeah. I grew up around. But like, as yeah. I started to see people who flow and do, um, oh, there's this one kind of like crazy tutting, I think it's called, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, um, like it is a straight up ancient language. Like it just feels like it has this ancient, like sacred quality to it. And, uh, it's funny how that usually unlocks in those ecstatic states, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I would be, I would be curious to, to see how this medicine that you guys work with, uh, would affect that. But for me, um, it, it first unlocked with, uh, MDMA okay. and it was just this level of non-judgment against myself. That's right. I just, I finally could just why would I care? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, why, why would I care if I do this? You know, yeah. why would I care? You know, yeah. and it was like, yeah. and it was just such a, you know, moment of understanding like, Oh my God, like it, that whole judge thing is in my head. No one cares. Like that guy doesn't care if I dance, he doesn't care. I, I, I shouldn't care. Like, and since then, you know, of course it takes a certain type of music to inspire me to want to mm-hmm. dance. And you guys yeah. are having that music out. So it's <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, cause I don't dance to just anything, but, um, when I hear that good music, you know, that medicine music, it really just activates this spirit of yeah. dance and it just yeah. wants to flow out and you feel so good after, I mean, you're burning calories, you're expressing yourself, you're just enjoying the vibe. And I just think that that's such an underrated thing that if people, you know, so many people, are like what like it's just dance calm down you know but honestly like when you have this kind of ceremony of dance and, and you feel the effects of mm-hmm. it it's it's profound yeah you know from personal experience matt um i was at a music festival Halloween, which is here in florida uh mm-hmm. back in october and um first night I, I took our sacrament. That was the only thing I tell you. I took like a gram and a half of our sacrament and went to a show. And I literally had a Kundalini experience mm. <laughs> dancing. It's like I unlocked that like perfect channel that just like sent me into this full Kundalini activation out there on the dance floor. And, you know, I think it also has a lot to do with the energy of the crowd, right? I think that mm-hmm. these, these big portals or, or pools of energy help people tap into even higher frequencies than they could uh, right. just dancing alone. Yeah. Oh, well, you said you said one of my favorite words. You said Kundalini. Yeah. Um, I love Kundalini. In fact, that word is what kind of led me down this path uh, because, oh, wow. because uh, after my first psilocybin experience, um, I needed to find out what had just happened because mm-hmm. it, and honestly, it was my third psilocybin experience, but it was my first real one because, wow. uh, it was the one that broke me through to the, the other side of the veil. The first two, I just felt a little drunk or whatever, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, but when I got there and I realized, okay, so I need to search what is spirituality? What is animism? What is energy? What, what is chakras? What are these? this word kundalini awakening kept coming up in my Mm -hmm. search over and over and over kundalini kundalini energy Mm -hmm. kundalini awakening kundalini arousal kundalini yoga like 
all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I need to look into this. And I ended up researching it for, you know, years and mm-hmm. uh, I've taught even Kundalini yoga for uh, over a decade now. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, I'm very curious. What was that experience for you? You said you had the Kundalini awakening with the, with the medicine that you guys are working with. What, what, what did that feel like? You know, so when I was, you know, before it happened, and it was being initiated by the bass and the music, but I could feel that bass, you know, uh, uh, vibration come into my body, usually through my fingertips, right? And then mm-hmm. move it throughout my whole body. Yeah. And then when the Kundalini happened, it was just this huge bum rush of energy from all angles that kind of came up through my feet mm-hmm. uh, and just filled my whole body. And I could feel it just outpouring through my head and I could just like hold my hands up and was just like mm-hmm. looking up at the sky. Like this is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget when it kind of calmed down, I was shaking a little bit, not in a, very, not in a bad way, but just kind of shaking because my body had just been like, like mm-hmm. just pulverized with, with this just massive energy. And obviously it was, you know, reaching ecstatic states that I've never, you know, to my knowledge had, had been to before. Um, and yeah, and it was incredible. And I'll never forget like when I got back to the camp that night, I was just completely worn out. Uh, I think that one, just that one experience just completely wiped out uh, my whole body, but it it was incredible. And I I hope it happens again. I mean, I I hope it happens uh, April 15th. I would be very happy. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. I would be very happy about that. Uh, that'd be amazing. Um, Yes, uh, very similar thing here. And I've had a number of, you know, what we would call Kundalini awakenings. And they all vary in intensity. And sometimes they say the first one is the biggest one because Mm -hmm. it's the most like uh, mind boggling that that it exists. You know, now the second time it's like, oh, this again, like now, you know, at least versus like, what the hell is happening? You know, um, no, that's that's beautiful. And um, same same experience with me. My body was wiped out. It's like Mm -hmm. it uses all this cellular energy or. Yeah. Just like it's just like this full, yeah, activation of your whole energetic body and your connection to the cosmos. And mm-hmm. when you see things like Alex Gray's artwork after those experiences, and there's a ton of visionary artists that capture it, but I think he's just a well-known name. But um, it's like, oh, okay, so so that exists, and pe- other people are having that experience, and other people are depicting it as well. Because um, yeah, that there's this energetic body and and just this. I don't know this this flow uh, of energy that is just so immense, and that's what they're talking about with Kundalini. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how psychedelics uh, are super tied. I feel to that. Um, yes, I, agree. I would almost say more people are having Kundalini awakenings through psychedelics than they are. any other means. You know? Many many people probably not even realizing it. That that's yeah. what's going on. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say one thing too, is that I noticed is that, you know, after I had these, after I've had two so far, but what I've noticed is that like the whole universe opens up afterwards, meaning that like, you know, starting in the days and weeks after like life is effortless, you know what I mean? It's just like, you're really in this flow where it's like the universe is just bringing everything to you that you need just like without effort, you know? So yeah. I've had that happen to me quite a few times. Uh, so yeah, I've noticed that it's, it's, it's not just inside of you because your energy, your energetic bodies are flowing so much like your wants, desires, needs are easily projected out into the universe in a way that it can read and easily respond to. 
Right. <clears throat> yeah. And in my mind too, it connects us to what we might call ultimate truth, but, but also mm-hmm. personal truth. That's right. And a lot of times people can't continue in a job, for example, that's just not calling to them anymore. Yeah. after these experiences and it makes sense like look what you're doing you're working with plant medicine churches and stuff so that's awesome you found something that's that you're excited about you know yeah and and so yeah you know you hit the nail on the head i was actually doing maritime litigation um in baton rouge at the time i started this work so there was Mm -hmm. a period of about a year year and a half where i was working both gigs and i mean it was it was gruesome don't don't don't, Mm -hmm. know i'm not gonna lie to you but yeah there came that day where the universe was just like, there will be no more of this other job. Like, like yeah. it's it's time to you to go. So it's funny. It's like my employers and I, more or less on the same day, came together to just tell each other, like, hey, I'm not going to be here anymore. They were like, look, we can tell that you know your your zest, your fire for this has has lost. So you know, we mm-hmm. we basically parted ways on both days. And I'll never forget when I walked out of that office building that day was the most incredible sensation of freedom that I've ever had in my life. I, mm-hmm. I, I remember it very vividly and just walking out that door and just walking out into the unknown, right? Yeah. Cause I'd never not worked for another person. So like now I'm walking out into this unknown mm-hmm. into a space as I'm sure you're aware with infinite possibilities. And like that has held true uh, ever since I took that leap. I've, I've not gone without any opportunities, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. cropping up more and more every day and just, Right. I'm, I'm very blessed and thankful for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what we might call our Dharma is it's, it's, it's trying to get us, we get these inklings, these, uh, intuitions to align with our highest good, with our highest manifestation that we're capable of with what we love, honestly, with what we genuinely love from that's the right. heart, you know, it's like, for you might be, I love this medicine, you know, mm-hmm. like it's really helped me. And and that's my, that's my whole thing. That's why I'm doing this podcast and mm-hmm. time wheel and, and everything I do is it's, uh, I genuinely feel like I have a new lease on life. Yes. Um, I, I was definitely struggling with anxiety and depression through being a teenager and just growing up and just growing mm-hmm. pains and all this stuff. And, and, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of hope that I could really be much in life um and when i saw infinite possibility with these medicines i was like wow so i was just limiting myself it was just all Mm self-limitation because i live it's all limitless you know just like your mind is the limit that you know the sky is the limit just uh, yeah and and i and i think it's such a beautiful thing for people to be able to find work in something that they genuinely love and genuinely want to support and see thrive in the world. And that's great that that's what you're doing and and the whole church is doing. And that's just why it's a great organization. You know what I mean? So I definitely commend the work you guys are doing. Yeah, we we try to, and you know, uh, both Ian and Ben are veterans. um, And, you know, I've done a lot of work in support of veterans in this space. So yeah, a lot of our, uh, you know, charitable efforts have been directed at, at veterans and first responders, but yeah. you know, you know, for us, it's like this, it's, it's not, it's what good, what good can we spread? That's, that's mm-hmm. really, I'm so blessed to work with Ian and Ben because it's not like how much can we pay ourselves this month? It's like, Hey, uh, here's some extra money. Like how can we go spread the love and goodwill? And it's right. uh, that's that to me, that's my favorite part 
uh, of running this church is being able to spread love, um, you know, to mm-hmm. other people in need. Absolutely. Uh, and and yeah. help people feel not alone because these experiences, when you don't know anyone else that's had them, it's yeah. very alienating. That's right. You That's don't right. know how to who to talk to. You don't know if you're going crazy. You don't know if it's a, if there's a reason for you having another traumatic uh, thing come up. You know, but I mean, psychedelics bring our trauma up. I think yeah. so that we're able to look at it and in, in a non-judgmental way and just say like, "Hey, I did the best with what I had at that moment. There's really nothing more I could do. Let yeah. me cut myself some slack. Let me learn from that. And let me just not repeat that, you know? And it just makes it so easy to, to comprehend, yeah. you know, our past traumas and stuff yeah. and um, come to terms with them. And it's not like, I'm not going to say it's going to be gone forever, it, it, you know, like this is a lifelong thing, but it's good to be able to look at these things with compassion for ourselves. Yeah from a almost third person point of view, yeah. you know, as we were saying yeah. earlier. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll tell you, interesting was, you know, when I got out of the rehabilitation facility and I started working with the mushrooms, when I was in my addiction, uh, I had been kidnapped at gunpoint and had my skull crushed in by this, by this mm. lady at a, at a drug house. And, um, wow. you know, through my recovery, it was like the last thing that I couldn't let go of. Like I still wanted this person dead. Yeah. You know, the mushrooms told me very point blank. They said, until you go and speak with this person and give this person a hug, like you're never going to be able to get over this. It's always going to hold you back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, after a bunch of really deep reflection and, and kind of some consternation, uh, I was able to arrange to go back home to my hometown and, mm-hmm. and actually see that person again uh, mm-hmm. and hug that person. And I'll never forget when I left that, that, that meeting with them, just the incredible, again, kind of like when I walked out of the law office that day, just this mm-hmm. immense feeling of freedom. And, and, you know, since then I can talk about it mm-hmm. without breaking down, without getting angry and really use that as a teaching point for people or just to share my experience, strength and hope in people. Whereas, you know, before I couldn't even mention it without getting so upset that I wanted to cry, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really grateful for that. Um, and yeah, so like you say, it's those traumas. Sometimes they make you look at them, uh, and deal with them in a very uncomfortable way. But, you know, I, I trust that they know the process exactly. you know? And, and just to have that face and, and work with them. Uh, I've seen people overcome some, some very incredible things through it. Absolutely. So you know, hats off to, to the mushrooms. It really is a medicine, you know, it, yeah. it, it's doing what all these pharmacists are not That's pharmacists, right. but pharmaceutical drugs claim they're doing right it's right. like we're gonna make you happy as can be you know and it doesn't work you know um but but with these medicines it really does but it's interesting how it asks you to work though it, it says does. hey i want you to do something you're uncomfortable with but for your own good and for your right. own peace you know That's what i right. mean and, and i've had a number of those experiences so highly resonate with that and mm-hmm. and it's really just us clearing our karma you know yeah. and like doing the soul work you know because like I believe we are here for a reason. We maybe even chose to incarnate. We genuinely wanted to be Matt and Greg, you know, we wanted the challenges that these, that this life was going to offer us so that we could, uh, transmute those challenges and, Mm -hmm. and those shadow or whatever it might be within our system. And, uh, for the next time, because when we, when we do return to where we came from, it's going to have been for a good reason. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? 
Yeah, I believe that. Uh, I firmly believe everything you said. And, um, you know, and it's crazy now looking back, like everything I've experienced, it's like I feel confident that I can tell you how in the grand scheme of my life that that was actually a blessing and that it taught me X, Y, Z that I'm able to now apply probably on a daily basis, you know? And mm-hmm. so I've been able to look at all these prior traumas and, and if the end story is, if is anything, it's like, Hey, this made me a much stronger person. So that way now I can do this work that I do that requires a very strong person, you know? And so, right. yeah, I think it's just really, and one of the common things I get from mushrooms is like, two sides to every coin. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Well, you can say how bad or awful something is, but through another perspective, you can also say how it's a blessing and, and very helpful. Right. So that's been mm-hmm. one of the just overarching things. The mushrooms have told me that have helped me to, you know, realize that everything might seem bad, but there's also this other perspective. And so if it helps yeah. you to see the other perspective, then just flip the coin around. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And just to finish on that point is um, I feel like, a lot of times when a thing feels like it's not happening in your favor and it's kind of upsetting Mm -hmm. later on, it'll make sense why it didn't happen. And you'll be glad. That's right. You know what I mean? You'll be like, dude, that thing back then that didn't happen that I really wanted to happen and, and didn't, I'm so glad it didn't. (laughs) There's been several things like that for me. No, you're right. And and then it's kind of just reducing from there and just having that faith in the moment that, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, I wanted this to happen, but, you know, I trust that this is all part, you know, like I say, everything's in divine timing, order and sequence. And so just having an unshakable faith in that can keep us centered through even the toughest of times and things will work out for us in the best way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Love that. So um, tell us how to get involved uh, once again. You know, uh, Entheogenesis is April 15th. What Mm -hmm. time does it start? How do we get the tickets? And then as well, just the church and and that general. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Entheogenesis, yeah, it's going to start around 10 uh, a.m. on on the 15th. We're going to go a half a day till about four or five. uh, And then we're going to switch over, you know, with the workshops and and speakers. Yeah. And then halfway through about four or five, we'll transition over. Uh, Aquanimus is going to play, and then mm-hmm. Savage is going to play up until I think around 11 o'clock is where we're going to awesome. shut it down and get out of there. But yeah, in theogenesis.io uh, is where the tickets and more you know specific information is. Uh, the church, silomethoxin.com. Uh, if you're interested, feel free to fill out a membership application. We'd love to have you. And, and just one last thing is, you know, in Theogenesis will be basically a day-long sacred ceremony. We will have sacrament offerings uh, two to three times throughout the day uh, just to make everybody aware. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to see you. Come commune with us. Come dance. Uh, I promise you won't be disappointed. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Greg, for your time today. Really awesome getting to know you more. And I look forward to seeing you you at the event. Yeah, man. uh, I can't wait to see you. And uh, yeah, man, let's catch up when we get there. Sounds good. Sounds awesome. Thank you.